Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. As Pastor Josh also mentioned, we are continuing in the series, Hope Fully. And we've been exploring what it looks like to have hope in difficult circumstances. Um, And we've been going through, if you're like me, you've been asking yourself some of the hard questions. Am I a hopeful person? What are the things that I'm hoping for? And maybe that's a new job or a new position at your job, a future spouse. Come on, somebody. Okay. Or you might be thinking, what are the things that seem a bit hopeless, things that are maybe in despair? And that could be a long-term diagnosis. It could be uh, an estranged family relationship. Or it could also be a future spouse. Come on, somebody, right? Okay, right. It could be week to week with that one. But, but the pastors have been doing such a good job of helping us to understand how and why to have hope in these difficult circumstances. And um, we've been talking about hope for our city, uh, hope for injustices, the foundation of hope. It's been a really good series to help us learn how to hope fully. Well, I wonder, how does the hope that we have for certain circumstances carry over to the people in our lives? Is the hope that we're building for others actually qualify them, even if they're super far from God? Because if we're not careful, the way that we can assign our circumstances as hopeful or hopeless, we can assign people in our lives as hopeful or hopeless. And this is how we do it. This is how our brains work, right? Hopeful people are good investments of our time, of our energy, of our service. We might see a good return, we might think, if we invest in this person. Hopeless people seem like bad investments. Bad investments of our time, our energy, our money, our service. We might say, that person is never going to change. Why would you waste your time? Don't bother with that person, right? And we may say, uh, the, the way that we do this, actually, I know that it's true, is because um, there are people that we've deemed hopeless in our lives that have never made it to our prayer lists, right? Because it's much easier to pray for hopeful situations. Maybe someone in your life who's open to having a conversation about their faith. Someone who's recognized that they have a problem and they've Googled AA programs, right? Someone who called you up out of the blue to reconcile a relationship and even talk to them in years. These are hopeful people in our lives. But it's much more difficult to pray for those that seem hopeless. We just can't see a glimmer of hope. We just can't envision them changing. So it's much more difficult to be praying for them. So our question now becomes, how do we maintain hope for people in our lives that seem a bit hopeless? Paul talks about having hope in those that we love in 1 Corinthians. um, And he's writing this book, uh, where our text is coming from today. He's pinning a letter to the most difficult church that he's worked to, worked with in his ministry, right? The church in Corinth is known to be having arguments and discussions and difficulties, um, all because of rivalries and jealousy, and it's causing division in the church. By our human assessment, the church in Corinth would be considered hopeless. But Paul doesn't give up on them. Instead, He reveals to the Corinthians how to restore hope and community. And he lets them know that the fighting and the bickering and the arguing is never going to be solved until they first apply the principle of love. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is usually called the love chapter. Aw, right? How sweet. 
Um, and this is where we've heard love is patient, love is kind, right? We're familiar with this. I mean, we've heard it at weddings. I myself have heard this read aloud at weddings. It's probably tens of weddings just since the pandemic. Many, many more than that. And why is that? Because it hits every time. It's such a distinct difference between our world's view of love and the biblical view of love. What here, Paul is not talking about a feeling of falling in love or really a feeling at all. He's talking about how to care for those deeply, even when they don't deserve it. So now today, we're not exclusively talking about marriage. Single people, I got y'all, okay, all right? Actually, matter of fact, sidebar, single people, come with me. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is not a verse or a scripture that you're eligible for, you qualify for when you meet your person and you decide to get married. This selection of verses is a vow, a principle that you qualify for today. You qualify for this type of love and you're qualified to give this type of love today. What Paul is talking about is this is how we love our community. This is how we love our church, our friends, and our family, our partners, yes. But this is how we love the hospitality team. This is how we love the prayer team. This is how you love your growth groups, right? Please hear me. This is not just restricted to marriage. Y'all with me? You do not need a ring for this verse to apply to you. It can apply to you today. Amen. Amen. Okay, sidebar over. All right, so uh, we're starting to read at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. It says, love bears all things, believes all things hopes all things, endures all things. And just the first part of verse 8, love never ends. Well, we've heard it said before that love is an action word. And what Paul is describing here is how to perform the act of love. You need to bear, believe, hope, and endure all things. They're all parts of love. Love bears all things. It means it carries the weight. It shares the load. Sometimes life gets heavy, and what if I pick up one side and you carry the other? What if I make it lighter for you? What if I sit with you when you cry so you don't feel so alone? Or what if when you need someone to call, I pick up the phone so I can be a listening ear for you? Because I can bear it with you. It'll be easier when we do it together. Bear all. Love believes all. Love has trust. Now, this doesn't believe you mean you trust everything, right? You're not gullible. But it's that you want to believe the best in people. Love hopes all things. We see people as who they're called to be. And this hope, this Christian hope, is not a, a finger crossing or an expectation that we just have wishing upon a star. No, this is the expectation that we have in the Lord to fulfill his promises, an expectation that we have in the Lord for salvation. And the last one, love endures all things. It's steadfast. It keeps going without weakening. Love endures all things by maintaining an uncomplaining attitude in every affliction and trial, tribulation and temptation, persecution and pain, whether it be for the sake of the saints or for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Love bears, believes, hopes, and endures all things. Well, the one that I want to focus on today is this powerful phrase, love hopes all things. Can somebody say, it's the all for me? It's the all for me. Yeah, but you got to do it with your shoulder. Oh. Never mind. Y'all will get that later. Okay, when we, when we hope all things for people, when we love people, we hope all things. So what does all things include? There's four of them if you're taking notes. The first one, all things includes all people. If love hopes for all people, this means we never consider a person hopeless, even if they're far from God, like really, really far from God. They're never hopeless. We're called to see who they will be, and this hope will shape the way we treat them in our lives. Quick disclaimer, so you don't hear anything I'm not saying. There are toxic and abusive people in our lives that we need to distance ourselves from, right? You can have hope in them, but you don't need a front row seat to watch it all go down. You can hope from afar, amen? 
I think uh, Paul talks about this as well in the letter, and he says that we don't need to be fellowshipping with people who are unremorseful of sin. And so, so I just want to make this point that it is helpful for our souls and valuable for our souls that we know that God can reach even the furthest of those away from us, even though we're not in direct relationship with them. In fact, Paul is such a good example of these all people, right? Because when Paul was Saul, he was known for persecuting the church. The Bible says he went house to house, getting men and women out of their house, locking them up and putting them in prison, all because they believed in Jesus Christ. And this wasn't a thing he did once or twice. This was what he was known for. This was his brand, persecuting the church. And then one day, when he's on his way to Damascus to, again, get more Christians, bound them up, and bring them back to Jerusalem, he has an encounter with God, a miraculous encounter with God that would change his life forever to have him declare and say, he is the son of God. So when we know his, his story, it makes more sense why in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, he would describe himself as the least of the apostles and that he does not even deserve to be called an apostle because he persecuted the church of God. Verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was, with not, was not without effect. God's grace for people is immeasurable. Even those that we feel are super far from God, like Saul, uh, I'm sure that a lot of people back then saw that Saul was a bit hopeless. I'm sure he didn't make a lot of the early Christians prayerless, right? Even Ananias, who got called to go meet Saul on that road, was like, hold up. Who are we? Not Saul. I know we're not talking about the same Saul. Of Tarsus, there's no way. There's no way. Why? Because Saul seemed so far from God, and yet God still pursued him. And he chased him down and turned his life around. Why? Because God doesn't write people off. Don't you hope for a Damascus-like story for the people in your life who seem far from God, that while they were on their way to go do some more sin, to get even further from God, God pursued them with love and turned their life around. God doesn't leave anyone out. Love hopes for all people. The second one is all things includes victory over sin. Back in 2017, um, before we had growth groups, we had city groups, and I was a part of the Bed-Stuy city group. Woo-woo! Uh, okay, 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 okay. Uh, that year, it was led by Pastor Russell and Kendra, fantastic leaders. Um, and there was a time um, that we had one week in particular that I will never forget. We had done the lesson. We had done the discussion. And we were going around asking for prayer requests. And one of the people in our group was saying, I just feel a spirit of confession. I just feel like God is calling me to confess some of the sins that I've been dealing with privately. And I never wanted to do this, but here we are in this group. So I'm just going to be, be obedient to the spirit. And they just started to say uh, the things that they were dealing with in private. And then another person in the group said, yeah, I, I wasn't going to say anything. I said, Lord, you tell somebody else to go first, and then I'll go. And then another person, and then another person. And it was just this really powerful moment where we saw vulnerability and bravery in the, in the fact that they are confessing their sins to God. And then there was about 15 of us piled in this apartment. And we just started to call on to heaven. We called for the Lord to break these chains of sin over their lives, to deliver them from the situations that they were dealing with. And we believed that there was no sin too big for them to overcome. We believed that there was no sin history too long for God to deal with. First uh, Peter 4.8, it says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, this relates to our imperfections as Christians as we are not yet sinless, 
but we are called to extend grace and be patient with people in this process. And this is good news because it allows us to have hope for people in our lives who have built lifestyles around sin, right? Because our hope is not in them to wake up one day and decide to change. Our hope is in God and God alone for him to break chains of sin in their life, to break patterns of sin in their life, to break generational curses of sin in their life, to break desires of sin in their life. We're hoping in God for this change and we're praying for deliverance, praying for deliverance over alcohol addiction, sex addiction, envy, greed, jealousy, unforgiveness, option D, all of the above. We're praying for all of these things in deliverance. I like this part. God is worthy of our hope and expectation. Just look at the things that he's done in your life and the sins that you've overcome. Three years ago, you're not dealing with the same sins that you're dealing with now. He's an overcomer, and he helps you overcome. There is no sin too great for our God. Love hopes for victory over all sin. Number three, all things includes difficult times. Uh, there's a point Paul is making by surrounding hope by three very difficult things to do, right? Bear, believe, and endure. Because it's harder to have hope in difficult times. Um, and I mentioned that I am one of the leaders for the youth ministry that we have here. And for every teen that comes upstairs and joins our little community, I have hope that God is going to do miraculous things through them and in them in their lives. Even though, if you were to come up there and listen to some of the conversations that we're having, you would see there's a spectrum of belief of these teens who are accepting Christ and those that are believing in Jesus. But I still have hope in them. Why? Because I can see the end of the story. I can see God's hand over them. I can see who they're called to be. I can see the next generation of believers. I can see healers and preachers and teachers. Come on, somebody. These are our teens in our lives. I can see that in them, and so I treat them as such. Because I'm seeing them as who they're called to be and not who they are today, it makes a difference in our interactions, right? And so I'm able to walk with them through depression or anxiety or hard times with friends at school, disagreements with their family, dark thoughts, because I can see the end of the story. When you love people, you endure hard things while you hope in God. That's the vow that I have for the teens that I serve. I love you, and this is what this means. Are we a people that keep hoping during difficult times? A lot of times when we go through things, we just need someone to walk with us and not walk away from us. Would we vow to be that person today? Love hopes through difficult times. Lastly, all things includes restoring relationships. During challenging times in a relationship, hopes acts as a driving force, fueling optimism and belief that we, as a partner or a pair, can get through this difficult time. And let me tell you something that I know is true. The devil creates division. The devil creates division. Say it with me. The devil creates division. When we fail to hope all things in our relationships, we separate. And we say, oh, well, I lost hope, so I don't go to that church anymore. I don't serve on that team anymore. We broke up. We're no longer friends. Oh, actually, we're estranged, right? But church, when we remember the love and grace that we have been shown by God, and we seek to show that love and grace to others, we become unified. We become united. And here's where it all comes together. Restoration is part of God's overall plan. It's the gospel. Take a look at Romans 5.10. For if while we were enemies, while we were slaves to sin, while we were on our road to Damascus, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. 
Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? We see that God restored his relationship with us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if he's able to reconcile the entire world to himself, he's able to reconcile your marriage. He's able to restore your friendships, to restore your family relationships. This is your sign again to hope for restoration. Love hopes for all people, for victory over all sin through difficult times, and to restore relationship. Love hopes all things. And this is made possible when we realize that we ourselves are the beneficiaries of hope. Well, what does that mean? People who loved me didn't give up on me. Anybody who had a praying grandmother, praying mother, father, friend, who prayed for you in difficult situations in your life, it's weird because we don't typically think of ourselves as uh, being hard to hope for, but we were. We were. Back in college at UT Austin, I was, as the kids say, very much outside, very much outside, or from the club, I was. And um, on downtown 6th Street, I was there Thursday, Thursday through Saturday night. And I still considered myself a good Christian as long as I made it to church on Sunday. Never mind any of the other plans that I had. If I made it to church on Sunday, I was doing okay. I was more concerned about the appearance of looking like a good Christian versus actively living my life in a way that pleased God. And then uh, my small group leader, mind you, I was in a small group. My small group leader saw that my lifestyle needed some adjusting, but they didn't give up on me. They prayed for me. They challenged me. They invited me to go deeper in the word. And we're reading this Bible verse, Angelica, Angelica, how does this apply to you? I'm like, well, I have no idea. Because I was living in two different worlds. You see what I'm saying? And on Sunday at the church that I went to in college, I remember one Sunday, um, I was listening to the sermon. I was sitting up in the balcony, and I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, quit running. And that day, I came down when they did the altar call, and I rededicated my life to Christ. And I made that decision because I wanted to live one life. And eventually, I became what they prayed for. Eventually, I became what they hoped for. Now I'm on a stage preaching about God. I am the beneficiary of their hope. It's so important to realize that so many people are hoping for you too and praying for you too in times that seemed like you were hopeless. They were praying for you as well. Some of you had entire church congregations back home or pastors or mentors, Sunday school teachers, family members who were praying for you. And you are the beneficiary of their hope, and it's our job to hope all and to love all as well. And I'll close with this. Hope is just a a piece of the larger story that Paul is telling about love. Yes, how to love people, but how much you are loved by God. Uh, The Bible says we love because he first loved us. The last part of the verses that we read is verse 8. Love never ends. And I have good news for you today that God's love for you never ends. Read with me Romans 8, verses 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And I got to read it all. Shall Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.
So, so when I'm going through tribulations, you just have to reframe it and say, God's love hopes all things. When I'm actively rejecting his will, just reframe it. God's love hopes all things in you. Uh, when I'm experiencing any injustice at work or school, that can't prevent God's hope for you because greater is he that's in you than is in, in, the, in the world, in the world. God has shown us such a perfect example of how to love through his life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We should want to make that love that we've already experienced known to the world. And just know that his love is not exclusive. This is not a, a secular party, right? This is not a, um, an exclusive party. This is for all who believe. And for all who believe, his love never ends. But now we want to give you the opportunity to respond to this message. And as a church, we just want to support you. Uh, would you all stand? We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at bridgechurchnyc.com so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services are at 10.30 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.